Welcome to the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. We're presented to you today by WinBet. We're on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, presented to you by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Don't forget about Indiana. From boost the same game parlays, live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. If you bet $100, you're going to get $100 at WinBet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the D-Gen Dance. Our March Madness bankroll contest is back, free to enter, and $1,000 in cash and prizes up for grabs. Plus, we've got our first half under bingo. Enter both contests on the SGPN app. What's going on, guys? This is Dave Hyman, a.k.a. Dynasty Dorks. This is the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast, and we have a special guest on from the Leather Brains. How are we doing, Hunter? I'm doing well. I am doing well. I am uh, excited to be here, and uh, I think we're going to have some really good conversation here today, fellas. Yeah, I, I thought about taking that picture that you had on, on Twitter and putting it on our thumbnail. <laughs> I might have to do that. The thumbnail was already made, but... Um, where can we find your work and what do you got going on? Uh, yeah, uh, finding our work. You can go check us out on, uh, on all social platforms at leather brains with a Z. Uh, we are constantly talking about NFL and fantasy football. Uh, right now I'm on the dynasty show, of course, and we're very excited to talk about, or I'm very excited to talk about this today, but, uh, we're, you know, for fantasy football players, it's all year round, baby. So we're, uh, we're very excited to, to be here and, uh, as go check us out on leather brains with a Z. And uh, got a podcast. We ha- we are also have Substack. If you're not familiar, it's a writing platform. So we're writing articles weekly and, and producing a podcast weekly as well. Well, um, yeah, bro, that wasn't me that that made the comment. So um, uh, I don't know some, that Brad has uh, gotten a haircut, um, yeah, and yeah. so uh, that's the comments right here. But uh, yeah, make sure you guys give them a follow. And so it's free agency. Um, free agency doesn't start till Wednesday, right? And so this, these uh, multi-million dollar contracts were negoci- negotiated in 30 seconds. No tampering until today. Um, yeah. And so we saw multiple contracts done. Most of it was offensive linemen and defensive and, and guys like us that are football heads love that stuff. But we're a fantasy football show. We're going to focus on the fantasy part. The biggest name so far has been Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders. Brad, the writing was on the wall with this one. This just solidifies that that's another spot that, A, the Jets are running out of options. It's Rodgers or nothing at this point. And it's another thing where Rodgers is not going to the Raiders. But what are your thoughts here as far as him, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams? It affects a lot of people when the quarterback changes. Yeah, I think it means Josh Jacobs is going to carry the ball 300-plus times again this season. That's what I think it means, right? Personally, I don't think you can lean on Jimmy G and think he's going to take you to a Super Bowl without that run game. So I think if you've got your Josh Jacobs shares, you're extremely excited about that. As well as, I mean, look, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo provide really good wide receiver production in his years 
in San Francisco. And I think we're going to see very much the same here. I don't think you see much of a downgrade for Devontae Adams. He's still going to be a target monster. I think Hunter Renfro has the potential to really be back to what we saw a couple seasons ago where he's that close to the line of scrimmage guy because Jimmy G's going to love that close up to the line of scrimmage and not have to throw deep. So I, I think the big loser here is most likely Darren Waller. If I had to pick a loser out of the three, uh, but the run game is definitely the biggest winner. And so uh, I go ahead, Hunter. Well, I, I, you know, I, it's just news that I think all of us were kind of expecting to some degree. I, I know in my case, I was, um, I, I thought Jimmy G was the pro- most probable fit to go to the Raiders. I do have a question for you, though. You know, you, you mentioned that he has been able to provide for wide receivers, and historically, he has for the most part, you know, not producing anything of, of insane um, caliber. But how much do you how much do you peg that as far as Kyle Shanahan and his his ability to um, to maybe put a quarterback in a, a probable situation and more of a systematic approach than something that uh, this this Raiders um, coaching staff may not? Does that have any concern for you? For me, 100%. Because I don't trust Josh McDaniels as far as I can throw him, to be honest, from a play-calling perspective. Uh, So, yes, I think that does matter. But like I said, Devontae Adams is going to get his regardless. Sure. Right? I'm not worried about him. Now, is he a top three option? Probably not. But I don't know that he would have been anyway, being the age and a dynasty perspective anyway. But I'm absolutely concerned from a play-calling perspective. Do Do you think this was a downgrade? From uh, from Derek Carr to going to Jimmy. Oh, you're asking the wrong person. I love Derek Carr. So. <laughs> okay, so very yeah. clearly, yes. Yeah, a hundred percent for me. Yeah, Dave, where are you at with that? Well, I'll put it this way: as far as the contract, it's not it's not always apples to apples because you're looking at the contract. Looking at Jimmy G's contract next year, there's a twenty four million dollar roster bonus in March, and so this does appear to be a really a a fluff deal. It's one year with potentially two more, which for me does not put them out of the market of drafting a quarterback, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson at seven, letting them sit, taking over, letting Jimmy G hit the market again next year. Just looking at the numbers, um, I always tell people, because I'm seeing all, like, and even like analysts and websites are like, $140 million. Like the headline, is something the agent put out. That is the max of the contract. The max of the contract is Jimmy G gets $73 million in three years. He is not getting $73 million. These guys almost never get the full amount of the contract. It might say Lamar Jackson signs a, a $250 million deal for six years. But on year three, Baltimore can say, rip it up, see you later. And it's really $120 million, $150 million in guaranteed money. So look at the guaranteed money. Kind of like the people freaked out about Chris uh, Christian McCaffrey or Christian Kirk last year. Look at the guaranteed money if you're looking at it from you know like like the Giants. The the franchise tag is 32 million dollars. They signed Daniel Jones. The cap hit is 19 million dollars. So they saved 14 million dollars, and then they tagged Saquon Barkley, and you know you saved a little bit of money there too. So they think oh Daniel Jones got all this money. He got like 94 million dollars guaranteed, um, and not 140 million dollars guaranteed. Let's move on. Austin Eckler. Hunter, what are your thoughts on Austin Eckler? He, he He's $6.5 million this year. They're trying to negotiate a new deal. It's a 27-year-old running back. He wants to get his last payday, and he's, he wants out. I don't out. know if he's going to get it. I don't know if he's going to get it because, I, I mean, you look at it like this. Austin Eckler 
has been a juggernaut at the running back position. He has been a touchdown hog. He has been incredible in the receiving game. And at the beginning of last year, I, I, I distinctly remember there was a panic button that was almost being hit for a lot of people for those first couple of weeks because he wasn't getting those touchdowns. He wasn't getting the usage that he he historically has gotten in the past. And then possibly due to injury with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams throughout the year, it kind of forced them to, to revamp Austin Eckler of old, so to speak. So, um, but the, the, the issue for me is, is there's a lot of big name running backs in this free agency right now. There is a lot of big name running backs that will be finding new homes this off season. And so you look at the competitiveness of the contracts that are about to be negotiated between all these running backs. And I don't know if Austin Eckler is going to, at that age, I don't know if he's going to find the payday that he's really looking for just due to the competition surrounding him. Yeah. I mean, we, we might see, you know, him get a little bit more money, but not that. And maybe he just gets it from the chargers and they use this as a negotiation tactic. Um, but again, um, $6.5 million when, you know, you're going to, you're getting like, that's like Chase Edmonds kind of money. He can get a little bit more than that. Sure. Um, but he's, you know, if he's wanting $15 million, something like that, it's not going to happen. And no one's going to offer that to him. Maybe the Cowboys. I mean, they did it with Zeke. They were, <laughs> you know, maybe realistically. No, so, he's, he's uh, so let's check back in with the sponsors and then we're going to get right to our top 20 dynasty tight ends. Yeah. WinBet is the official online sports book of the sports gambling podcast network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and a ton of other states. Be on the lookout for WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And during the WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have even better odds on WinBet, giving you the opportunity for a larger payout. March Madness is also here, so many ways to get the bet on the big dance. Sign up today, receive our special offer of bet $100, and get $100. That is limited to state availability. And of course... For our DGENs, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you'll get an additional $1,000 free credit. There are so many things to choose from. All you have to do is head over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app. Offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We are also brought to you by the DGEN Dance, which is our March Madness bankroll contest, and it is back and free to enter for a chance to win $1,000 in cash and other prizes that are up for grabs. Plus, we've got our first half under bingo, where you can sign an SU, sign up and win an SGPN gift card. Enter both contests at the SGPN app. We got our top 10 consensus rankings up here. Um, Hunter, I, I want you to kind of be our barometer. Tell us where we're wrong and where we are right. Um, starting off with Mark Andrews at the number one spot. Uh, where do you have Mark Andrews in your personal rankings? I have Mark Andrews at, at number two. Okay. okay. And, and the only reason I do this is, is and, and we'll get to this gentleman here in just a second, it looks like. But Mark Andrews is very obviously, given his age and given his ability, a, a top-tier performer. What I want to see out of the Ravens this year, very obviously Lamar Jackson has come back, and that is that is a great sigh of relief to everybody that owns Mark Andrews in a dynasty format. What the Ravens need is a wide receiver one. At the very least, they need wide receiver help in order to help open up the field. And and Mark Andrews, he struggled with some injury last year. Lamar struggled with injury. So the, the whole season was kind of derailed, uh, which was really unfortunate for everybody that owned shares of him. Um, but I want to see them get a wide receiver 
that is able to kind of like Hollywood Brown. When Hollywood Brown was there, he helped spread the field and, and open up the, the field for both wide receivers and Mark Andrews himself. I want to see the Ravens do that. And I do think that they will this offseason. But um, I have him slated at number two. All right. And so TJ Hawkinson is next. Um, Brad, I got him at two. You got him at three. So we're both higher on him. And I know there's people out there seeing Kyle Pitts at three spot that are screaming at the screen because we're just absolutely crazy that we don't want him. But TJ Hawkinson was, he's one of the biggest movers going from last offseason to this offseason. So, Brad, why do you have him? Actually, I have him the highest, but why do you have him at three? Yeah, I, I fell in love with George Kittle in the back half of the season. Um, and some of that may be the dynasty guy in me that moved him uh, right before he exploded, which in turn led to the guy knocking me out of the playoffs after we got into it. So uh, I, I may have a little bit of bitterness, but that bitterness led to him being higher in my rankings because he balled out. He was the go-to guy for Brock Purdy. And even with the one-year signing of the stud that is Sam Darnold, <laughs> I think Brock Purdy holds that job. I think he comes back, he ends up winning that job, and and, and we saw him hyper-target and go for George Kittle in the red zone. He's going to be that stud guy, um, even with Debo and Brandon Ayuk on the, on the scene there. And, and that's George Kittle Hawkinson. Um, I was asking about Mr. Uh, Hawkinson. I don't. Oh, well, you said why I had him at three. That's because I have George Kittle at two. That's why. Uh, well, I'll go with Hawkinson. He's my second, and well, I'm higher on him. Yeah. We're just going to go straight through it. Um, I'm just playing, man. Uh, but TJ Hawkinson is the biggest mover, and I just love how he's being used in this offense. Thielen is going to be out of town. They're likely to bring in another pass catcher. Irv Smith's going to be out of town. Um, but the way this offense works, this guy just got onto the squad and they were throwing him 11 targets and you follow like follow the targets, follow the volume. This guy is absolutely getting it. And I just don't think it's going to change. KJ Osborne's not going to take that. He was on the team last year. If they bring someone in, I mean, they paid a lot to get him, and they showed immediately that he's a key key cog in this offense. So let's get to Kyle Pitts, Hunter Kyle Pitts at three for us. Where do you have him? I also have Kyle Pitts at number three. I have TJ Hawkinson at number one. And and uh, the reason that I do is for everything that you just mentioned. You know, um, he came in and was an immediate target hog for Mr. Kirko Chains. And and I loved his usability on this offense. It, when he was with the Lions, there was some questions about his usage. And, and we all knew he was talented. But him going to the Vikings was a huge upgrade for him for both his production and his fantasy football purposes, which go hand in hand. Uh, so I, I have Hawkinson at number one. Kyle Pitts, I also have at number three. They're, you know, they just signed another tight end there today, um, which brings up a lot of questions as far as what's going on. Is Kyle Pitts going to be with the Falcons for the foreseeable future? Are they going to look to trade him out? There, there's a little bit of of a question mark there going into this. Kyle Pitts, as a rookie, finished his tight end six. So he came in, he was electric. He, I believe, he was the first tight end in like 50 years to have over a thousand yards receiving as a rookie. So he's athletic. He's super exciting, but his issue this entire time has been his quarterback play. And that is still going to continue to be an issue for him if he stays with the Falcons going into year three, but he's young, he's talented. And and with a second year, it's probably going to be Desmond Ritter. I would think Um, Desmond Ritter, hopefully they build a little bit more of a rapport. They, his second year, they got a, a, uh, 
a wide receiver one to kind of come in and help clean some things up and spread the field a little bit more. I love Kyle Pitts as an own, but this last year was a very abysmal own. Yeah, and, and it's a good point with the quarterback situation. And we could go off probably another 15, 20 minutes talking about the different scenarios with them, whether it's Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker. Um, I don't think Desmond Ritter is a long-term option for them. And if they really thought highly of him, they would have drafted him higher than they did. Um, George Kittle is number four, and then Travis Kelsey is number five. So um, Brad's top five, unless they've changed since we've done this, is Mark Andrews, George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, and Travis Kelsey. My top five, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, and then George Kittle. And Hunter, who are your top five? I got uh, Mark or TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, and Dallas Goddard. Nice. And Dallas Goddard is next on the list. With Kelsey, I mean, if if you have him on your team and you're a contender, it's really hard to move him <laughs> because you're not going to get back anything that's really worth what he is on your team. And if you have Travis Kelsey on your team, he is an absolute difference maker. This guy, I for, last year he was like wide receiver six. I mean, he is a cheat code. It's it's like the whole Taysom Hill thing a few years ago, except for like it's legit. Like you're able to put a top six receiver in the tight end spot. And the best part about, about it is the next tight end is like wide receiver 30. There's just such a huge gap. He's a difference maker. Anyone that took him round one last year, um, was you know it was better taking him at 112 than Jonathan Taylor at 101. I mean, it was just yeah. a huge difference maker, <laughs> which is so sad to say. But right. you're, you're it's so sad, right. but it's you're just you know right. like I looked. It kind of looks like in the past I was looking at like teams that like failed, and I'm like, oh, running back round one, running back round one, running back round one, running back round. One. Oh, I wonder what the problem is. Yeah. Um. So uh, Travis Kelsey at five. Um. And he's got a great career as an SNL host when he's done with this. If you haven't seen the <laughs> SNL skits. Absolutely, absolutely hilarious. What's um, the best one? I got to know. What's your what, what was your favorite one? Uh, <laughs> I, the, the the mom one that they cut off was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, or the girlfriend one where the guys needed to go pick up their girlfriends. And then Jason <laughs> made it. Yeah. But the, the karate one or the self-defense class. Yeah, that was like, a good one. That I was just I was dying. So I don't know if I have a favorite, but they're all they're all pretty good. They were. Um, let me let me check in with the sponsors. We're gonna buzz through the rest of these. Um, we want to make sure to tell you guys about Underdog Fantasy. Um, we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. College Pick'em is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted after day one. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props. Head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code SGPN for 100% bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Let's go to number six, Dallas Goddard. Hunter, tell me why you have him at number five. Dallas Goddard, man, he finished his tight end 12 this last year. He would have easily finished higher than that if he played more than 12 games. In this offense, he's on a top five offense, so I don't think anybody's going to argue with me on that front. And they're, they're loaded with weapons. He was seeing the ball a lot. At 28 years old, this dude still has a lot of shelf life left on uh, a lot of tread left on the tires, so to speak. And I, I love him. I, I love his ability to to make plays and catch the ball. And, and with this high powered offense, I think he's a he's a very easy uh, dump off route for Jalen Hurts when he has when he already has Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown back there catching the balls as well. So um, I, I think he finishes top five this last year if he wasn't hurt. And I think there's every argument to be made that he could do it again. 
Yeah. And so Brad has him at six. I have him at six. So there's no big argument. Um, it's always funny when you do these, you put your rankings up there and someone's like, you hate Dallas Goddard. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like if I could just put them in a chunk and say four, five and six are about the same, I do that. But you're asking me for linear rankings. Um, number seven is Pat Fryermuth. Brad, uh, we, I have him at 10. You have him at eight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's all about the targets, right? You talk about your high end tight ends. You want to see about that under target mark. You want him to be one of the top two options on the team. And quite frankly, I think he might be the number two target for the Pittsburgh Steelers going into next season. He saw 98 targets last year. He almost eclipsed that hundred yard, uh, hundred target mark. And he really is one of Kenny Pickett's favorite targets. Now, the the reason I want to put him higher, the reason he's lower is because I despise Matt, Matt Canada as a play caller. He just doesn't put the team in a position to score points. They can move the ball, but they can't score touchdowns. And if they can get over that hump, if they can figure out how to utilize George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth in the red zone, use Deontay Johnson between the 20s, I really think they can take that next step as an offense, which pains me to stay as a Browns fan. But – from a fantasy perspective, that's what we want to see, and that's why I got Pat Fryermuth at number seven. Yeah, last offseason I did research on the tight ends. I really was trying to get the what's the you know what is the formula for a top twelve tight end, top twelve running back, top twelve receiver. The two most common factors were air yards and targets. It wasn't about the offense. It wasn't about the touchdowns. If they had a hundred targets, check you're in the club, top twelve. If you get a thousand air yards, you're a top six tight end like check you're you're in the club and so if you can get those markers and what you're so you're looking at is a guy that's going to be number number two or three on the team in targets if you're looking at the roster and immediately say this guy's probably going to be number four on the targets it's gonna be very unlikely he hits that hundred and a thousand mark of a hundred targets and a thousand air yards and that's a top six tight end top 12 tight end is not something to brag about there's, it's not like, that's not a whole lot of fantasy points. So if you're like drafting a top 12 tight end and round five or six in your dynasty or even your redraft leagues, you're not getting any return on investment. And so again, kind of looking at those other guys, like Evan Ingram is a guy we'll talk about where that was kind of murky waters. Like who is going to be the number one? He was someone that you could pick as like, this is going to be a sleeper. Njoku, I know the Watson thing kind of threw things off, but he was another guy where you can kind of see the writing on the wall for a top 12 season based on just that formula. So look at that this year. Um, The next guy on the list is David Njoku. David Njoku got his big contract last year. Obviously, the quarterback situation threw things off a little bit, but he had a pretty good year last year and comes at number eight. (laughs) Obviously, people are expecting bigger things this year with Deshaun Watson having a year, you know, having an offseason to, to go with the team. Um, any comments on Njoku before we go on to Schultz? No, I think you you hit the the nail on the head there. Um, I, I wrote the exact same thing about uh, his synopsis for me. I want to see Watson take that next step with him, but the Browns are paying him quite a bit of money, so I hope that we, uh, we get to see <laughs> some more production out of him. You both Browns fans? I'm not. I'm a Cardinals fan, but All I... Right. I right. uh, hey. I, I, R- a I rare had a joke at number 10 on, on my list. I got excited there for a minute. <laughs> uh, I was like, bourbon and browns? Like, yeah. I just yeah. got kicked off the show. Um, Dalton Schultz. So 
He's a big free agent. Um, Hunter, what are your what are your thoughts here? First, do you have a prediction on where he goes? Yeah, look, I have the doctor slotted in at number 12 and and in large part due to his free agency because he is an unrestricted free agent right now. I don't have a prediction as to where he goes right now. It's it's a topic that I um, I've often struggled in my head to try and try and figure out and manipulate the chess game that is the NFL to figure out what's going to happen. But I, I don't have any predictions at this moment. That is why I pushed him a little bit down on my list is just because he is a little bit uncertain right now as far as what offense he could walk into. And for that reason, I could see, depending upon where he lands, his production potentially going down a little bit. Yeah, I've seen people predict him going to the Chargers to team up with Kellen Moore. Um, you know, I've seen him to some of the you know teams without really a real like solidified starting tight end like the Giants or the Lions, places like that. And where he goes 100% is going to change his value. Um, and he could still end up back on the Cowboys. Let's let's be honest. The Cowboys sure. are flirting with Odell Beckham Jr. And if they, they sign Odell Beckham Jr., there's no way they're signing Schultz. Because Schultz is going to get a big contract, and apparently Odell Beckham wants $20 million a year. What's a, an interesting spot I was thinking about the other day for him would be the Dolphins. And the biggest reason I say that is, You've got two barn burners on the outside. You don't really have that. Now, we saw Jalen Waddle be that underneath guy two years ago. That's not really what you want to use him as. So I think he'd be a really solid option underneath when you got two guys being able to stretch the field for the Dolphins, and it might help to a, a little bit. I have a question, if it's all right. Yeah. You, you bring up the Dolphins here. I mean, is there any concern that if he did end up with the Dolphins, he ends up in a, a Mike Gesicki where he kind of gets uh, left behind at the train station, so to speak? Oh, I think for sure if he goes there, he's not getting the 90 to 100 targets that you want him to get. But I think for the Dolphins, it makes sense. For sure. Tua, I feel like it makes sense. For, from a dynasty perspective, <laughs> this is just Brad's opinion, if he's not in Dallas, he needs to be off the roster because that's – that is exactly how he has to be utilized because he's not an athletic guy that's going to just stretch the field or work the scene. Like he's, I'm going to cheat and say he's Jason Witten. Like that's just what he does. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and there's very few offenses that look for that kind of thing out of their tight ends at this point. Yeah. I, my, my prediction was either in Carolina or Houston to go with the rookies. Um, you know, you look at the, you know, you look at Frank Reich, he's 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 definitely been someone that has wanted, you know. Did he sprout up like seven inches? He's not tall enough for Frank Reich. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, that, that, maybe that's Chris Ballard, Chris Ballard style. Uh, Eric Ebron's tall, but not that tall. Um, but he's had some success with tight end position. Rookie quarterbacks need that little safety blanket. And like Carolina, talk about vacated targets. Got a ton of them there. Houston, Brandon Cooks is about to be out of town. I don't think that's going to be is fantastic. Gone. Go ahead. You think Cooks is going to be gone from Texans? Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's been writing on the wall that he wants to go to a contender. And they ended up – well, and the only reason I ask is just because I had seen that he had sat down with, I believe it was the GM, and they had kind of talked him off a cliff, so to speak, as far as him potentially staying in the, with, with the Texans. And, so And it could happen for sure. I mean, he's not gone yet. Sure. I, I think um, I think if I had to pick, I, I think I would love to see the doctor end up with the Lions just because they're going to have Jamison Williams back under their belt and, and 
you know, I would consider this more of his rookie year than last year, given the injury. Uh, you got Amon Ross St. Brown. And then they, you know, Hawkinson obviously got shipped off and is doing bigger and better things with the Vikings. So the Schultz, I, I could see as far as from a usability perspective, definitely the Cowboys number one. But I, I think if I had to pick for a, like me as a selfish fantasy football player, I think the Lions would be like maybe one of the second best homes that I would I would hope to see him in. For sure. And then Darren Waller, uh, Darren Waller was someone that I was doing kind of a like players. I was doing players to sell and I started writing about Darren Waller and looking into his end of the season and beginning of the season last year. And then I was like, I'm not selling. I kind of want to buy. I mean, and I, based on like his current value, I was very interested. Now this Jimmy G situation kind of changes things. Um, We don't know what the offense is going to look like. I'd have to go and look back to see what Jimmy G and Josh McDaniels did when they were in New England together. Granted, different set of weapons than they're going to have in Las Vegas, but interested to see how that transpired. Um, Josh McDaniels' offense has been friendly to the tight end, and Darren Waller did look good in that offense last year with Derek Carr, who very similar play style with the low a dot and things like that with Jimmy Garoppolo. Darren Waller at 10. Where do you have him Hunter? I have Darren Waller at number 13. I, you know, for me, um, it's not too far off, but, uh, Waller's biggest concerns for me are, are his health. He struggled to stay healthy the last two years and he's not getting any younger. You know, he's, he'll be 31 by the time the season starts. And, uh, and with his struggling injuries, I, I do not have much faith in Jimmy G. I know that him and George Kittle have built a rapport. And, and I, to be honest with you, I wrote this this morning before the news had broke. So that that kind of changes things a little bit because I had originally put, we don't even know who his quarterback's going to be. We do. But for a dynasty asset, he is aging and he has struggled to stay healthy. So who knows when his time will be up. And that, that really is a concern for me. I think if you're a contending team, you probably could could hold Waller, but if you're kind of edging towards a rebuild, it might be worth a sell in my opinion. Hunter, can you go back through your top 10? Sure. Uh, We have at the top, we've got TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard, George Kittle, The Muth. I have Cole Komet at eight, Greg Dulcich at nine, and Dave and the Joku at 10. And so um, Brad has Mark Andrews at one, George Kittle at two, TJ Hawkinson at three, Kyle Pitts four, Travis Kelsey five. Dallas Goddard, six. David Njoku, seven. Pat Farmuth at eight. Cole Komet at nine. Dalton Schultz at 10. I was the highest on Darren Waller. Mark Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts, Kelsey, Kittle. Then at six, I have Goddard. Seven, I have Evan Ingram. Then I have Waller at eight. Schultz at nine. Farmuth at 10. So kind of Farmuth and Waller could flip on that old Giants love. Are we Dave today? <laughs> hey, I mean, I know that Calvin Ridley's there. I get that argument, but Evan Ingram, he, he re-signed with the team. He looked good last year and he can do a lot of things that some of these other guys can't. And he's still pretty young, um, athletic tight end. I will say the Waller news sours things a little bit. I'm not going to completely take Waller and throw him in the garbage. Um, but I moved him to 17. I mean, George Kittle was fine with him. I get it. I get it. Kyle Shanahan was there and you don't really have too much to say. Like I can't really say much about what he did in new England, but I'd have to look back and see what it is. I just don't want to completely write it off and say, it's all Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo can't play. Um, 
and, and Waller's a good player. Um, you know, but we will see. We have not really seen him and Renfro work together. And if if he picks Renfro out of this, then you know I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be out. But I could I definitely am probably gonna move him down based on the move a little bit, probably down to the ten spot and move the other guys up. Um, eleven, we have Cole Komet. And I'm twice. Whoops. He's that, um, good. he's that good. You need him. Yeah. Cool. And he's and he's on the he's on the screen too. Um Cole committed at eleven. Um and then I wouldn't know who's twelve right there. Then Evan Ingram at thirteen, Trey McBride at fourteen, Hayden Hurst at fifteen. Um it's Brad, probably Dolchik. Yep, it is it is Dolchik. You have Dolchik at thirteen, or I have him at thirteen, you have him at thirteen. You have Evan Ingram at 12, Darren Waller at 11. I have Cole Komet at 11, David Njoku at 12, and then Dulcich at 13. Let's talk about Cole Komet. This is a different Bears offense than when we did these rankings. (laughs) Because when we did these rankings, we were going to do the show last week. DJ Moore was not on the team. They didn't make these moves that they made in free agency. Let's talk a little bit about that. So uh, I know you wanted to talk about that, Hunter. DJ Moore goes to the it goes to the Chicago Bears in a huge trade, where the Carolina Panthers are now at the number one spot. And Justin Fields has a pretty decent group of weapons. Now you have Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, and DJ Moore um, on the roster, and Velas Jones, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't forget about him. Can't forget uh, about him. I'm glad you brought him up. I, realistically, I. I'm excited for the Bears this year, and that's a weird thing to say. That is something I would not think I would have said at the end of last season, but um, DJ Moore going there, it definitely... I'm happy for for Justin Fields. For DJ Moore, that's a little bit more of a question mark. I think it's certainly a better situation than the Panthers. Don't get me wrong, because the Panthers were a dumpster fire. I felt bad for DJ Moore. I think this is an upgrade. Now, is it the upgrade I was hoping for? To be determined. Justin Fields, he needed a, he needed a true wide receiver one. I, I'm optimistic that DJ Moore will help in that area, and I think it, realistically it opens up the entire field. Cole Komet this last year, he led the Bears in targets, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. And I, I think if anything, this DJ Moore going there may actually improve Cole Komet's usage because Justin Field, there's a lot of conversation about him and his ability to move to move the ball down the field with his arms. Yeah, we know he can run and he can do it really, really well. But Colt Komet might be that health safety check down that that Justin Fields is looking for. And he they might be able to open up the field more with both DJ Moore and Chase Claypool coming in halfway through last year. Get both those guys involved with Mooney. I'm excited for Cole Komet, man. He's a young player. He's athletic. He's proven himself this last year to be effective in this offense. And I'm, I'm excited for another year with some more weapons under their belt. So it's supposed to be Dulcich at the 12 spot. Brad, what do we think about him this year in the Sean Payton offense? Yeah, I think I like it, right? I mean, we've seen Sean Payton utilize more, not really a singular tight end, but the tight end position in his time in New Orleans. And we saw a lot of opportunity where Greg Dolchik got some targets down the field already with Russell Wilson, created some of that space. He's definitely a down the field kind of threat. He saw a good number of targets through really only about half a season in the grand scheme of things. He saw over 50 targets. Project that out a little bit. Maybe now you're closer to that 90 range. 
Uh, it really does seem like they're out on Cortland Sutton. There's talk and rumor about them shopping him. So now you see a situation where, hey, is Greg Dolchik meet that check mark that Dave talked about earlier, where now he is a top two target or the second option next to Jerry Judy, who I think is is really probably the alpha wide receiver of the way that they run that offense right now. So I think the opportunity is there for him. And when you look and see what Sean Payton's done with the tight end position in the past, I think it bodes well for Dulcich. Yeah, I agree. And anything else, uh, Hunter, on Dulcich? No, no, I think you covered it wonderfully. Uh, Evan Ingram at 13, and, and I have him higher. We kind of discussed it a little bit. And again, I'm ranking based on trade value. And Evan Ingram, based on the season that he had, you can get more for him than you can Cole Komet, in my opinion. And that's that's the reason I have him up that high. Plus the ceiling. We, we see a high ceiling with him that we just haven't seen yet from these other guys. Hunter? Uh, well, I, you bring up, you like Evan Ingram. I have an Evan Ingram at 11. So I, I don't think we're too too far off here. But in a dynasty format, knowing that Evan Ingram signed only a one-year deal, and he is a little bit older, he is, what, 29? Um, would you consider trading him, you know, for, for one of, like, a, a Cole Komet or a Greg Dulcich, just knowing that you're going to, you potentially could get more production out of these younger guys for a, a longer amount of time? Oh, for sure. Uh, and the reason I haven't ranked higher is because I'd rather have him on my roster so that, yeah, you could trade him. If, if Evan Ingram's your, your one, then you probably got to roll with him because I do think he out, you know, outproduces Cole Komet or some of these other guys. But if you can get him and trade him for Greg Dolchik plus or Cole Komet plus, then that's, you know, that's where you're looking at. And I just, I think you can right now based on the value, um, you know, with how he, how, he did last year, especially how he finished the season. Um, people do have a lot of uh, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. And, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he won a lot of people leagues last year. And so, um, and we've seen it before and, if, and spurts from him. We just haven't seen him kind of put it together like he did last year. Mm-hmm. I've got one Ingram share. And because of what you're talking about, I'm going to immediately send a one for one trade for commit because that seems absolutely outrageous that you can do a one for one swap there that makes from a dynasty perspective makes zero sense to me whatsoever so if that but if that's where the market is that's that's where the market is i'm saying you could get cole commit plus what is cole that's what i'm saying i don't i I, there's i'd laugh at whoever tried to do that with me where i own commit like get out of here with that yeah i I, like i think you could and cole commit i mean he had a little bit better of a season last year, but he's not really done anything. And now you bring in DJ Moore and some of these other weapons. We'll we'll see. But- yeah, there was a clear switch halfway through the season, though. I mean, if you if you remember from like week nine or whatever on, Cole Komet saw significantly more targets after that, right? You saw the offense change a little bit. They started running Justin Fields a little bit more, which opened the pass game up. I mean, those. I don't think he topped like three or four targets in the first like seven weeks. I mean, it was. Oh great. yeah, it, it was. So, it was definitely a switch. But they, like I said, they also added DJ Moore, who's yep. gonna work a lot in the same space as him, which does have me concerned a little bit as far as him reaching that you know hundred target platform. Um, but go try it. Let us know how it goes. Uh, I'm. I'm telling you, I think you can get Colcomet plus. You know what? I'm going to do it now while you're talking about the next player. Let's go. <laughs> Trey McBride makes the list, and he's he's a player that really didn't do anything. Um, last year, he you know 
he was behind Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz got hurt, and then we still didn't really see anything. But people are, are just – we're not really patient when it comes to this. <laughs> and so um, we've always told everybody, like even with Kyle Pitts, the dude's like 22 years old. Chill out. Like mm-hmm. everybody put way too high expectations for this guy. And he's been – year one, he was really good. Last year, he was a couple touchdowns away from being a pretty good sophomore – but we expected him to be the next Travis Kelsey, like right out the gate. Um, Trey McBride, if if Zach Ertz somehow were to be traded, let's say Zach Ertz were to get traded this offseason, once he's healthy, preseason comes, he, someone makes a move for him. Um, you know, he could be very interesting. Ertz could be an interesting, you know, you can get Ertz for like a late third right now. Um, but Trey McBride, let's talk about him. Hunter. Look. I'm a Cardinals fan. You got to understand that. And I'm going to try and leave the bias aside here. But Trey McBride is somebody I definitely, I have him slated at 15. Y'all have him here on the list at 14. Uh, He's an own. He's somebody that I I want to go get. We saw what happened when Zach Ertz tore his ACL this last year. I think it was ACL and MCL. But we saw what happened when when Ertz went out. Uh, McBride was an immediate starter. He, He immediately went in and filled that role as a rookie. That's great for a tight end because like you just mentioned, and as we get farther along in this list, it gets a little bit harder to try and close your eyes and throw the dart and hit a target for all these tight ends. It, it gets it's substantially harder. Trey McBride saw the field as a rookie, and it, look, he didn't do great. I, I, I agree with you there, but he was still seeing targets. Very obviously, week 14, Kyler Murray got hurt, and he started in week 10. So there's a little bit of a disparity there as well. I like Trey McBride, I, and I, I would definitely be trying to buy him at a lower cost. In my opinion, I see Ertz staying at the Cardinals again this year. I, I think this is last year in the contract, and then they'll ride him off into the sunset, and then it's Trey McBride season. So uh, he's he's relatively cheap right now, all things considered, and I would be trying to buy him and maybe stash him on your bench for another year and see how things go. I, I think he's one of those guys you can flip, right? I mean, if you see – you talked about week 14. That's when Trey McBride actually started playing really Sure. Well. That was yeah. after Kyler Murray went down. We don't expect – Kyler Murray most likely starting on the pup, right? No. Yeah, yeah, that's like, that's. So I, now you're looking at the first half of the season with Trey McBride and a backup quarterback playing. So there's a very high likelihood that hey, maybe you don't like him with Kyler, but that backup quarterback, those guys love their tight ends. So if you don't believe that that's going to translate when Kyler comes back, that's a sell window. And I believe that he's going to perform that front half of the season, and then that's that's when you look to try to sell him right now. So you can buy him cheap sell him a little, not high, but higher in mid-season if you choose to do that. So I think I, I agree 100%. Yeah, Gardner Minshew, um, going to Arizona for a couple games would be fun. On, I'm down for it. I'm here for it because <laughs> yeah. I know Kyler's going to be gone. I would love the mustache man himself to come in and clean house for a couple well, of weeks. I, I'm put, put that down. I'm putting, I'm putting that prediction down. I think I did put it in my article. Um, Hayden Hurst. So speaking of guys that could – maybe be the bridge. Hayden Hurst would be a great bridge for someone like a Trey McBride. Last year, he was a steady Eddie. He could easily end up back with the Bengals, but he could be the guy that goes and replaces Schultz at a little cheaper value over there in Dallas. There's a lot of tight end hungry teams, and he could go right over there. He's not going to give you the 15, 20-point games but he's going to give you 10 points every single week in PPR. And he ended up as tight end one last year. 
And he was just kind of a tight end, 9, 10, 11, steady Eddie all year at the end of the tight end position. And uh, it just he just got to get a starting role somewhere. And I think last year he really kind of came into his own. Um, the next guy on our list is Tyler Higby, who I, I did predict earlier today could be the next guy out of town over there for the Los Angeles Rams, who seem to be tanking for 2024. <laughs> um, Caleb, Caleb Williams tape looks pretty good. I think they're going to you know get rid of everybody. Um, but Tyler Higby is someone that he's been pretty good for fantasy at, at times. Last year, beginning of the season, he was great. He was great, and then at the end of the season, tailed off. He's someone that you know could go somewhere. Brad, thoughts on 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 Higby? I just think he could be a target monster in some offenses. I mean, we saw him getting double digit targets in several games last season, and we've seen it the last two years. I mean, he really had a good long stretch in twenty twenty one as well as twenty twenty two. So. I think he's a guy that can step in as a veteran. He can block pretty decently and give you some receiving upside. He's a guy that I think the Chargers could utilize if they decide not to bring back Gerald Everett, right? I think he provides a little bit more than what Gerald Everett does, which is a pure receiving option. Like, like that's all Gerald Everett is. So I think he might be a guy that you could also get on a team-friendly deal who you've seen get 100 targets before, and be able to produce with it. And you still give the, the defense a little bit of a guessing game when he's on the field because he can block also. And to go back through our 11 through 15, um, Brad has it, uh, Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, Greg Dulcich, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Higby. I have it, Cole Komet, David Njoku, Greg Dulcich, Trey McBride, Daniel Bellinger, and Hunter, you're 11 through 15? Yeah, Evan Ingram. The Dr. Schultz himself, Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger, and Trey McBride. And Daniel Bellinger's right here on there. So um, I'm not sure if you got some Bellinger back there, Brad, but uh, Hunter, what are your thoughts about Daniel Bellinger? I'm excited for him. And he, you know, as a rookie, he came in for the Giants and he won the role. Look, he finished his tight end 32 on the year, so I'm not going to sit here and, and try and blow smoke up anybody's booty. But he uh, he suffered an eye injury that put him out for five weeks, which was um, detrimental to his fantasy football output for sure. But realistically, this Giants offense was struggling all year to get anybody to catch the dang ball. That's what it was. You know, it was they traded Kadarius Tony. They had Wondell Robinson. This whole team was destroyed with injury at the wide receiver level. And Bellinger was maybe part necessity, but also he won out the starting role as a rookie at the tight end spot. The Giants are going to get some help at wide receiver this year. I do firmly believe that, and they are going to kind of solidify up that role. But I think Bellinger has, you know, as a rookie, came in and solidified that role. And I'm excited for him going into this year. I love Brian Dable. I'm a I'm a Dable believer. And and I, I like Bellinger's role in this offense and and uh with him in his second year. I would be very excited to to try and either purchase him really low or own and, and maybe end up in the starting spot for my roster pretty quick. Yeah, I'm a Giants fan, and I'm totally fine with us not addressing the position and addressing the other positions. We need to address the entire wide receiver room. I would get a free agent receiver and a rookie receiver. I'm not concerned about Bellinger. I would use the resources on the offensive line and the defense because I do think that he's a good fit. And – He's someone that this regime drafted. And so I do think that solidifies his role on this offense. It's not like he came with the deal when Dable came over. Dable 
first draft, picked him up, you know, and I thought he was a very good pick. Moving on to Zach Ertz, we talked about him a little bit, and I said earlier I think he could be a buy low. He's super cheap. Like if I threw someone a 311 or 310 on draft day, they're going to have rookie fever and be like, yeah, yeah, you can have Ertz. And he could end up being a you know, top 12 tight end this year. And I'm getting him for, you know, for free, basically. Um, you're, you're the, you know, you're the, the Cardinal fan on the show. Um, any word on Ertz and his injury kind of when he'll come back? I, I, I haven't looked in the last week or two. Um, but everything was trending in the right direction from everything I had seen previous to that. So I think one of the, the biggest concerns that you already kind of touched on is when is Kyler Murray coming back and, and he will start out the season on the pup list. Like you mentioned, um, I would love Gardner Minshew. I love Gardner Minshew, but I, I think Jacoby Brissett might end up coming over and being a Cardinal to begin the year. That's yep. kind of what I'm hoping for. And, uh, and if Zerk, er, Zach Ertz, uh, starts week one, we already kind of saw what Brissett was doing with Najoku, and so Ertz could be kind of uh, fill that similar role in a lot of regards. And Brad, uh, Tyler Conklin comes in at 19. Um, do you think if Aaron Rodgers goes there that he jumps up this list? Uh, I don't know about jumps up, but he's definitely moving up a couple <laughs> spots. I have like this weird, weird, weird man crush on Tyler Conklin. I have no idea why. Uh, but I liked what I saw this year again, right? They paid him. He came in. He did the same thing that he always does, like 70-plus targets, 500-some-odd yards, a few touchdowns. He had a couple really boom weeks, uh, and that's with the combination of Mike White and Zach Wilson, and now you're telling me he might get a, a you know, soon-to-be Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers with just Garrett Wilson on the roster? I'm okay with that. And a, a second year running back coming off of, coming off of an injury. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that all day and twice on Sunday. And I think he's a guy that has shown that he has the ability to take that next step. I know he just hasn't done it right. He's an older guy. He's 20, 29 years old, wherever he is. Uh, but he's just that consistent. Like if he just gets some more, just a little more, just give him a couple more touchdowns. Right. And I think we look at him in a totally different light. If he's at 600, you know, 80 targets, 700 yards, and five or six touchdowns. I mean, that's like a probably top six, top seven tight end at this point. Well, so, if he had Joe Flacco all season, he probably would have been. Yeah. Man, the um, gunslinger. I yeah. mean, he was yeah. on pace for a ridiculous amount of targets. He would have hit that 100 and 1,000 mark for sure. Was that the um, first three? Was that just the first three weeks? Is that he all was that tight end three. He yeah. was tight end three after like week four. Yeah. And so um, it was all about all about the Joe Flacco Express. And anyone not named Zach Wilson made him pretty good. I mean, it's, it was I mean, anybody that came in there and played quarterback for the Jets was good news for Garrett Wilson, and Tyler Conklin. Brad's already put Elijah Moore on the Browns. That's why he left him off of that spiel earlier. Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are still in the Jets. Um, and those are other weapons as well. But yeah, Brad. Brad said he's, he's. I put a list. They put a list up. I said, Brad, look at the guys the Browns are looking at. He's like, I'll take two of those guys. And I was like, you gotta save some for the rest of us. <laughs> um, You're not and, a fan uh, of DPJ over there. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. I just don't think they're gonna pay him to keep him. So okay, might, might as well make the move now. Got the last guy on the list is Dawson Knox at 20. Um, and again, this list will be shook up a little bit, and I can imagine that four out of the next. Got five guys we talked about, maybe all five, 
of the rookie tight ends will be at the sneak inside the top 20 whenever it comes down to it. And so let's move on to the top five rookie tight ends. Um, Hunter, who is your tight end one out of the rookie class? I got Dalton Kincaid as my number one. He is, uh, the, the dude is a free, he's 6'4", 240, coming out of Utah. He dropped the ball twice on 109 attempts. He can catch the dang ball, man. He looks like a really smooth route runner. I love him as my tight end one. And, you know, like you said, some of these guys could sneak into the top 20. I think for all of these rookies that we kind of cover, um, it's going to depend on their landing spot. It is a large, a large portion of, of where, in dynasty fantasy football, they end up, but man, he is spicy for me. So I'll take him at one one And that's my guy. So, uh, Dalton Kincaid's also my tight end one. Um, you know, he's, he's the, you know, more of the run after the catch, more of the split tight end. Um, while, uh, it's, it's, uh, Michael John Mayer, um, is Brad's, <laughs> uh, Brad's number one. His body is a wonderland and Brad loves it. That's a big wonderland, my friend. It's that's a linebacker running out there, man. It's huge. I, I gotta get my leather football helmet because I feel like I'm just old school in most of my takes. I want a tight end that's on the field all the time that can do everything. I want a running back that just wants to run through guys, not make a miss. I'm just that old. I mean, why don't you like Dalton Schultz then? What's that? You don't like you Dalton Schultz? Jones? You don't like Dalton Schultz, but you know. Oh. They, Hey, My, Mike Michael Mayer is he's he's definitely going to be on two of Dalton Schultz. What was that? He's like two of Dalton Schultz in one. <laughs> he, he's a he's big huge. dude. He's, he's a big huge, dude, but he man. he is an old school tight end. Um, he was a little bit lighter at the combine than he usually his playing weight. Um, which you know obviously allowed him to move a little faster, run a little faster. We'll see what he comes in at during the season. Um, and, and it's unquestionable. He's a balanced tight end. And, you know, to Brad's point, he's going to be on the field, you know, 90% of the time. He's more like a, like a Pat Fryermuth kind of a player. Um, he's going to be on the field a lot. It's just how many routes is he going to run? And is he going to get those thousand air yards? Or is he going to get, you know, peppered with 95-yard targets? Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Kincaid is, for me, like I said, more of a downfield threat also at yards after the catch. But a guy that a lot of people talked about, and I didn't talk about this earlier, but I did get to go to the combine and did get to talk to these players. And a few of the other tight ends were asked, you know, at the Senior Bowl, who did stick, who who stuck out? Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave's name came up a lot, and they were like, "What was it about Luke Musgrave?" And they were like, "Size and speed. He looks like he's huge, and he's gonna be slow. And then you see him run, and he's super fast, and he's got good lateral quickness, and." Um, I forget who it was. Uh, maybe it was, I think it was Jacob Copeland. That was just like, wow. Like I didn't expect, I did not expect that when I saw him moving around. And so a lot of love for Luke Musgrave. And I will say like, based on just the media presence, when you went to the different podiums, he was a big deal. Um, he had might've had a bigger media session than Dalton Kincaid. Uh, everybody was over there talking to him and, uh, and he's a guy that he, he does move, um, it looks like on the field a lot faster than he did in the combine. I think people expect him to run a little faster at the combine. But um, Hunter, what are your thoughts about Luke Musgrave? I got him at number two. I got I got Michael down at number three. And, and the reason I'm John sorry, Mayer. I I, oh. I John Mayer, I love him, voice of an angel, but I got him at three. The the reason being is Mayer, 
he's he, like like you mentioned, he is that traditional kind of bigger body tight end. I I am concerned with the yak there, and man, it, Musgrave he's six six two fifty five. He is big. He's a huge dude, but he is quick. He's a lot quicker than like you mentioned, Dave. A lot of people realize, and uh, he's athletic. He's got good hands, and uh, I think one of the biggest concerns is I think he got injured last year. Um, so he, he, he didn't play a whole lot. And so there's a lot of speculation regarding him and his ability to take it to the next level, just because he hasn't played the last year. He's just a really interesting own and a really interesting specimen for me to get on my dynasty team. So I have him slotted at number two. Yeah. And for, for me, this, this could catches. What was that? Five catches. That's it. I know. For three years. Trey Lance, he didn't play for his senior year, and he got Mayor they, had, they stole the farm for him. Forty-two as a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he's a big I boy. Get I get it. No, well, I get and, it. and so, um, Brad Darnell Washington, um, he's another player that slimmed down for the combine. His play weight was probably more towards two eighty-five, almost two ninety. He came in at two seventy-nine at the combine. And looked good. He had a great workout. Um, the numbers were a little better than I expected. The vertical wasn't great, but the 40 was good. The workout, the catches were good. Made a huge highlight catch. Uh, Darnell Washington is, is probably the best blocker out of this class. Um, and because of Brock Bowers, he didn't necessarily have to be used as much in the receiving game. Brad, you like him a little more than I do. Um, let's talk a little bit about Darnell Washington. I mean, he's just that guy that I could see being like a Gerald Everett for the Los Angeles Chargers last year. That guy that runs the scene, gets 15, 16 yards a catch. He's just a towering dude. He can block. He's not going to break anybody's ankles or anything like that, but he's a guy who just has a massive wingspan, and he just gives you such a big catch radius the key is you got to go to a quarterback that's willing to throw it to you when it doesn't look like you're open. Because much like Michael Mayer earlier, he's not going to create a ton of separation. So you got to give these guys a chance to go get it. Michael Mayer proved through college he can do it. I think you're going to see very much the same thing with Darnell Washington, where you can just throw it 10 feet in the air. Nobody else has a chance to even go grab it outside of Darnell Washington because he's like seven foot five. He's really not that tall. He's six seven, but he's got just this massive wingspan span to go up and get it. So I do think landing spot matters for him where there's a quarterback that's willing to throw the ball to. I, I love and agree with that. And Sounds the only like you're reason putting in Carolina. That Carolina needs help everywhere. So I, I think they'll take anybody they can get. I, I have him also slided in at number four for everything that you just stated. He is a big dude. He's got a huge wingspan. One of his biggest assets is his blocking ability. And so that for that, I think he's going to be really exciting for a lot of NFL teams that are kind of looking for a tight end blocker first with, you know, some potential for for catching the ball as a second, you know, like a, a route where, OK, I'm going to block and release route type thing. I, I think that's where he kind of comes into play there. Well, move the sticks talked about how some teams have Luke Musgrave as their number one. Some people have Mayer. Some people have uh, Darnell Washington. And you could see all these guys sneak into the first 50 picks. Um, you could see two or three tight ends in the first round. And we don't really know who's going to go first because, uh, as Bucky Brooks likes to say, it's like going to the ice cream shop, and, and it just depends on what flavor you're looking for. And so if you're looking for uh, you know, a, a Michael Mayer type, 
you that's going to be your number one pick. If you're looking for a Luke Musgrave type, and that's going to be your number one pick there. Um, Tucker Craft is on this list as well. Um, and I want to put Sam, Sam Laporta. So I, I asked Sam Laporta at the draft, how many teams have you spoken to? And when he told me all the teams that he has spoken to, I had to move him up my board. And so um, I know he's an Iowa player. Iowa's got this weird thing where they only really start their seniors. They got Luke Vaness, who's potentially a top 10 pick. And they're like, nah, you're going to sit on the bench because you're not a, not a senior. Uh, just weird. Um, but Laporta definitely had one of the better combines. He looks like he's, you know, and he comes from the Iowa offense, which is great. It's a balanced offense. They're, they preach blocking. And they have really good, mature players that usually develop in the NFL. And speaking of that, before we before we close it up, over under 49 receptions for George Kittle in his college career. 49 George Kittle's entire career in college. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go under because you asked the question. Yeah, right. But I'm <laughs> During his collegiate career, George Kittle had 48 receptions for 737 yards and 10 touchdowns. I get it. It's an outlier. Um, But with the tight end position in college, Brad and I have talked about this before. Not every team knows how to use a tight end. And so you see some of these gaudy numbers from some of these colleges. Then you see some guys like that. Daniel Bellinger didn't have a lot of stats. Travis Kelsey didn't have a lot of stats. A lot of these tight ends didn't. And then you have some guys that have like Buku numbers and they don't do Jack in the NFL. Cause it's, this is one of the positions that really is about the traits and all these guys that we're talking about have the traits, right? You want to say something? So what you're saying is Luke Musgrave is George Kittle, like 45 to career receptions for like 500 yards or something like that. Or I could be That's saying Darnell Washington. <laughs> I, I could be saying Darnell Washington is, is, uh, is, is George Kittle. So the the point is that there's a couple of these guys that the box score scouts are not going to like. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the workout warriors that came out there and looks really good in the workouts. And they're, you know, they're not as, not as good. These, these are pretty consistently the top five or six guys. Um, And Tucker craft is one um, from South Dakota state. Um, He's, he's an interesting player and he's very, very athletic raw player. Um, and people would hope that he's, you know, a Dallas Goddard type um, and not a, you know, uh, Adam Troutman um, as one of these smaller school athletic guys. But he is an athletic guy. And uh, um, guy, just one more guy real quick. We don't have to talk a lot about Davis him. Allen? haven't watched Davis Allen. I think you need to go pay attention to because while he's not, it, you know, he ran pretty damn slow at the combine. Um, he, the Duke could catch anything thrown his way. He's great at blocking out the, he, he's, I think he's going to move up my board the more I watch him. Uh, so I think he's a guy to pay attention to. He may sneak into my top five by draft time, quite possibly. Hunter, anyone that we're missing off this list? No, no. I, uh, everybody you have on this list is, is who I had on mine. So the only person I would, you know, add or think is consideration for this list is uh schoonmaker out of Michigan. Um, he he definitely had a good combine, moved the sticks, talked about him a little bit as a, a post-combine winner. Um, and, and he did very well in the interview, seemed like a pretty popular guy, and um just 
seeing these guys in person was different. And Darnold Washington, he just looks like a different dude. I mean, I, I told Brad, I said, change my player comp. It's Ben Wallace. Uh, like he just, I got to see all the tight ends walk in together. And you can, Darnold, I'm like, who is that dude? You just know, like Darnold, like Darnold Washington looked different. And like Anthony Richardson looked different. Like he st- like stood next to the other uh, quarterbacks, just looked different. Like just a much, much different body type. Um, but yeah, so a schoolmaker I thought was, was someone that was, was interesting in college. And then a shout out to Billingsley. I know uh, Jeremy, uh, our, our boy, Jeremy Popolards, um, Pope's FFH. Um, he, he shout out to Billingsley as well, who was an Alabama guy, went to Texas and he's kind of fallen off the radar, but he's a really athletic kid. Um, that should probably be in the league as well. All right. Well, make sure you give our guys a follow. Obviously give Brad a follow. And of course, thank you so much for your time, Hunter. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Uh, let me join in on this conversation. It was a, an absolute blast to be here. All right. Well, as always, good luck this season. Cheers.